You know, Joe, you can say what you want about deaf people. They're not going to hear you. I wish I was one of those guys right now. <laughs> uh, Joe, what is blue and not heavy? What? Light blue. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to Carnival Personnel. I'm Joe. And he's Jacques. <laughs> How do you like it? How do you like it? Um, Joe, tomorrow, it's not Christmas. It's not my birthday, but uh, it might be the biggest holiday of the year. How are you planning on spending May 4th? You mean today is May 4th, Mr. Calendar? Yes, guy. that's right. See, I can't. I'm not good with the math. And I saw you scrambling math. to do math. And you, you, uh, first, excuse me. I was uh, promised there'd be no math. First of all, you are good at math. <laughs> Secondly, you're dumb. So, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. Anyways, today is the biggest day of the year. Uh, it, it is May the 4th be with you. And also the with Man- you. The, the Mandalorian behind the scene uh, drops on um, Disney Plus today. Finally, Disney Plus also is adding like Rise of Skywalker. So you can now watch all nine chapters of the Skywalker saga. Um also, the solo, I think, yeah, solo's up on Disney Plus as well. Rogue One. And, and Rogue One. Uh, shockingly, the holiday uh, special is not, and I think they're missing out because I would, I would watch that with you. Can they just again. not get the rights? Is that it? Is it a rights issue? It might, you know, it very well could be. You think, um, you think the Boba Fett animators are holding out for big bucks? Is that what it is? It's like that one cartoon and that holiday special is really holding up, really gumming up the works and getting uh, that uh, that uh, special on 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 Disney Plus. No, it's, I think it's the ace hole from uh, from uh, Starship oh, yeah. Jefferson Starship. <laughs> that it's is. certainly not the estate of uh, either B. Arthur or Art Carney. You don't know that. Okay. You, you, those those monsters running that B. Arthur estate, <laughs> they are, you know, they squeeze every nickel to the buffalo shits. Um, also, next Saturday, or this coming Saturday, May 10th, Joe, is the 50th anniversary of what is called The Goal, considered the greatest goal in NHL history. Um, I... You know, suggested doing a sideshow. I don't know if you want to do a short sideshow talking about the quintessential moment in, you know, Boston Bruin history, Bobby Orr history, and truly, arguably, one of the greatest moments of all time in uh, North American sports. I would not mind at all listening to a sideshow about such a thing. <laughs> The maybe the maybe we'll do that for Thursday because I did because dude, it's just a big week for me. It's May fourth. And, you know, and, and the 50th anniversary of the goal, the goal, which is, you know, is known here. Uh, and we'll talk about it on the sideshow. But what percentage of apartments or houses, let's say, in a hundred mile radius or the garden have a framed or flying through the air picture? <laughs> like, like, you know, OK, I, I, I should say this of like, you know, households with a 40-year-old white male in a 100-mile radius. What is the percentage of those dwellings that have that picture? Uh, I'd have to say it would be, uh, it's got to be 98, 99. Yeah. Somewhere up there. I mean, there's a statue of the gosh darn goal 
on the street in front of the garden. I have been interviewed by local news in front of that statue. We, uh, I was living in L.A. It's when I came back during the Stanley Cup run. I, I was just scheduled to come visiting in 2011. And after the Bruins uh, won game four, I called management uh, back in L.A. And I said, I'm staying. I'm just going to – I'm staying for the run. The day of game seven, which was in Vancouver – you know, I took my boys. There was somebody else in town who we were driving around, and we went to the statue. And I, it was with Professor Salowich. Professor Salowich was in town. He, he came up to watch the game at my mom's, too. Were you there? Were you at my mom's? I was. You were. I was there and, on for game seven. And so we um, – was I there or was I out in the drive? No, actually, game, <laughs> you were there. Game, game seven was the only kind of semi-enjoyable game because they, they – they, they, it was, it was over early. You know, it was like, oh, they is is Tim Thomas going to hold this four goalie? <laughs> you know, this three four goalie. But, but when I took the boys down to the statue, Ross told the, like the local news guys, like, oh, he has a number four tattooed on his foot, and so there, like Channel Four News, I think it was right. Channel Four News wanted to do that. But yeah, that statue is. Uh, I'm surprised. I'm surprised Channel Four News didn't take you up on the offer of using your tattoo as their new logo. I, you know, <laughs> I, I I I was happy to do it. You know, I had just had a pedicure. My feet were looking fine. Uh, so 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 maybe we'll do that. Uh, but like I said, it was a big wig. I also want to say thank you to people like John and Biff and my good friend Joe who zoomed in for uh, my little guy's birthday um, get-together on Zoom yesterday. He turned 10, and he's been very upset the last couple weeks. His birthday has always fallen on an inconvenient time for us. It's like we were moving to Qatar like the week he would turn like four. One time we were coming back from Qatar on his sixth birthday. Like there's always been something like major, like moving to the other side of the world around his birthday. And, you know, when he's like three, four, five, and he's really stupid and doesn't know a calendar and it's like, you know, oh, no, your birthday's uh, – Next weekend, you know, <laughs> but he was saying the other night, he, he said very articulately and, and it was, which made it like a little gut wrenching. We're just lying there and it's like, you know, Papa, if I was turning nine or 11, it wouldn't matter. But this is my first time being double digits. I'm never going to turn double digits again. And the fact I can't have a party on my birthday, I can't even have friends over. I'm just, I'm just really sad. And in, he knows like the things that I always tell him. It's like, hey, look at what we have, what we don't have, you know. Um, look at, you know, try to find the bright side. And he goes, I know. It's like I'm gonna get some great stuff, and I know, you know, mama and all this stuff. Um, so my mom, dad. My sister and her husband and my brother, his wife and their kids came by and did a parade, like did three cars that were all decked out with pictures of him on the outside and balloons. And he didn't know that was happening. And he just loved that. And then about an hour later is when we had his Zoom get together, which he didn't know about. Dude, there was at one point there was about 30 people, you know. And you and every time somebody was talking, you kept having to scroll to the yeah. different screens to see. He was really so so. You know, you and your little guy who called in, it did. It, it meant it meant a lot. So he he was he was 
He was verklempt. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wanted you to make him smell the cake. I really wanted you to make him smell the cake. Oh, Ellen did that. Yeah. Ellen, oh, okay. Ellen pushed his face in it. Yeah. Good, you yeah. Know. yeah. You know, she's really the mean one. Right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> At least it was an actual cake that was edible. It wasn't like the April Fool's cake that you made one year with <laughs> Tristan <laughs> that was made of literally sponges. Dude, that was the best. Look, how many times in my lifetime is Easter going to fall? <laughs> On uh, on April Fools, right? And 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 Joe, thank thank you for giving me the credit, but I can't take it. It was all management. She thought, oh, I'll make a sponge cake to bring to my mom's for the big thing, and it was shaped. It was it was in the shape of an Easter bunny head with the ears yep. and everything. It was great. Saw the yeah, video. she had like three layers of sponge, and she put and it, dude, it's a. It was a bitch to frost that. Like, <laughs> like it, it was. It was harder, I think, to frost the sponges than it was to cut the bunny ears and all that. And to watch my mom struggling to cut it, and to see the realization because there was like fifteen people at my mom's. Like my niece got it for, and like, and people started to realize that she's cutting and it's pulling parts. Of, and here's my mom still frantically. She was like the last person to figure <laughs> out where it's going. And you know, and it's a sponge cake. No, that that, you know, so management, you know that that will live in our family history forever. People will talk about that. The other thing that people at F and H talk about, and do we're going back at least fifteen years. We have, you know, we have a a, a a Christmas a big Christmas party after the closest Friday to you know Christmas. We always have a gift exchange, you know, one of those Yankee swap things. And one year, Ellen came – oh, management, sorry. It doesn't have that in it. But she came up with the best present that people are talking about 15 years later. It's in a – it's just a box. She wrapped a box. And there's a picture of our old dog, Loki, who was like three at the time. So still very puppyish. A little bag of candy, some duct tape, and some rope. And, uh, and uh, oh, the picture of the puppy set – it was a lost puppy picture, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, that was her Amber Alert starter kit. <laughs> it is the most. Now, I will say that was a lot funny before we had children. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure you can or can't buy that on Anthony Jesselneck's website now. I think I think he heard about this and thought, you know what? I'm going to build a career around that kind of awful shit. Dude. It's at least 15 years ago, and every time at F&H, like when it we start to talk about Christmas, it's like, you know, oh, what are you going to do? What, you know, how are you going to tell? You can't. Like, like literally just walk away. You know, just, just walk away. But between the sponge cake, yeah, so she's, she's always. Uh, Joe, now I want to get to the show. Joe, there's a lot of stuff going on with, with COVID. There's a lot of stuff with the quarantine. There's a lot of bad stuff politically. There's a lot of great entertainment out there. And nobody is fucking talking about the fact that UFOs are real, Joe. Well, <laughs> like, uh, we UFOs a- UFOs have always been real because they're right. unidentified. It's not that they're alien spacecraft 100%, but we know for certain those are definitely unidentifiable flying objects. Now, the UFO video you're referring to is... What the Pentagon, it's last week or a couple of weeks ago, has since declassified or 
basically made official. There were videos that leaked out about three or four years ago. And I think they the videos actually date back even further than that. But the um yeah, they're they're like it's like a compilation of three different um encounters, if you will, of the it's it's Air Force video. It's actually like, you know, airplane video. And you can hear the chatter between pilots because you know there are several pilots in formation looking at this thing that's darting around in you know darkness. Of course, it has the same high definition quality as every Bigfoot video we've ever seen, you know. But you know it's fun and it's cool to hear them like kind of say, "Bro, did you see that? Whoa, look at it!" You know, they're like geeking out over this thing. But you know, whatever. Are they trying to uh, just distract the? Uh, is the government just trying to distract the world or the United States populace well, from this pesky virus that's going around? <laughs> well, that's it. Nobody's even talking about it. Because like, it's stupid. Like, yeah, but I mean, you think you think the Pentagon saying, yeah, here's some footage that, you know, you know, the declassified stuff that has been rumored to exist for years. And it literally, I mean... The local news, you know, weather gets more like you know sustained. Like even 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 um even Twitler had said, yeah, that's something that footage, isn't it? And it was like you know even he comments about it, and it's like I don't know. I think they're just trying to throw some joviality into the daily grind that is the COVID nineteen pandemic. But I don't know. I think there's all. I, I think there's bigger fish to fry. I think if the news media actually paid maybe an extra minute of attention, they'd get like a thousand hours of scrutiny by the masses saying, you know, we are wasting time reporting on crap like this when there's real stuff happening when, right when here. Karen needs, a, when Karen needs a haircut. Yeah, right. We're not covering that. But we'll get to that, I suppose. But yeah, so UFOs are great. Um, the, the other thing this week, you know, so we, we you know, uh, Son had a big birthday. It's May fourth, you know the the Bobby Orgol anniversary, and my new favorite word. I just heard, and maybe you know this word. I've just heard the word prenoid. No. Oh, management had sent me a link. She saw something, you know, an article. The person used the word prenoid, and it's so accurate. She's like, "This describes you," and it describes. You as well, Joe. I mean, before I start telling my jokes to open every show, the look you have on your face of being pre-annoyed, knowing <laughs> oh, like that, pa- like like annoyed, like pre-annoyed, uh, annoyed. But you're annoyed before, like when I, and it's so great because she was saying, and we've talked about like if you know. She gets me concert tickets and tells me about two months in advance. I have two months to be pre-noid that I have to get in the car and I have to find parking and I probably have to drop her off and circle back and forget where I park. Like pre-noid about life. And I think I'm going to weave that word into every conversation I have going forward. It's my new favorite. I wish... I wish she had like written that word on a piece of paper and put it in a box and wrapped the box and put a bow <laughs> on it because it is the best present I've gotten in a while. A new word that it so encapsulates, I think, us dealing with everybody and everything all the time. Oh, okay. I I, I still like the word awfulsome that I came up with. No, they uh, it's when you say awfulsome. 
you're legally obligated to say copyright carnival personnel. <laughs> you don't have to say it at the same tone. You know, kind of like you know, you have to speed it up a little bit, and you have to and a, and a, like 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 a legal those, disclaimer. Right, like you know, Libertor. Don't take Libertor if you're allergic to Libertor. What? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> exactly. They cause AIDS. What? Uh, <laughs> um, no, that you know, and I'm. No, I'm not going to sidebar that much, but just okay. recently I did do like kind of one of those shaggy like double takes. I was in the kitchen and one of those commercials for something. And it's like, don't take this if you have high blood pressure. If you're this, if you're this, if you're allergic to it, it's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know. If you're allergic to the medicine, don't take the medicine. Hey, it says right on the back. Hey, broken glass. <laughs> <laughs> um, Joe, where are you going to go see when you can start to go to theaters? And I don't know when that's going to be. There, there, there's three three questions. It's a three-pronged question. Joe, when do you think theaters will open? When do you think you will feel comfortable going to a theater? Especially when I say that, I don't mean like on a Wednesday afternoon, three weeks after the movie comes out. Like on a weekend, a big movie comes out. Like... So when do you think these movie theaters are going to open? When do you think you'll feel comfortable going to a movie theater? And when do you think you'll see a Universal Picture movie at an AMC theater? <laughs> well, I don't get the last one. But um, I'll say that if this COVID-19 pandemic doesn't flare up again in the fall, like they, like the scientists say that it will, then I think maybe we'll, uh, maybe we'll open theaters up in time for the holiday season. You know, get a little Christmas cheer in before the end of the year. and Maybe get some, some well-needed uh, money, moolah, scratch, wampum, to the hands of the, uh, the Hollywood elite. Uh, so there's that. Uh, but I, I, what did you talk about? The, what's wrong with AMC versus Universal Pictures? So Universal Pictures released Trolls. Oh, you know, World on, Tour, yeah. On Demand. You know, and look, it's a kid movie. It was supposed to come out around, you know, this time. It was supposed to come around around, you know, Easter. And it was their big spring pre-summer, you know, expectation. Kids are home. So they're like, F it. We're going to go straight. You know, lots of people are pushing releases, but they said, no, we're just going to release it on demand, which is fine. It did so phenomenally well that the CEO of Universal tweets out, like, Hey, I think we're just gonna release all our movies like this. You know, I mean, it's like let's kind of, you know, right? He he he, they, he was lamenting how much better it did than they expected, um, and they didn't have to share those. You know what I mean? Divvy it up. Well, they don't divvy it up with the theaters the way the theater, they sell it to the theaters, and then the theaters pay, sell you popcorn and stuff. But they did so much better than they thought. He. It wasn't a flip comment, but it's like, yeah, we might want to look at this model going forward. And AMC instantly like, oh, really? Okay, fuck you. Uh, put out a big statement. We will no longer screen Universal Picture movies in AMC's thousand theaters across the country. This quarantine is getting to the CEOs. I think people are getting a little ahead of themselves here. Calm your tits, AMC. And 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 hold on a second. I. I are people losing their minds? I mean, yes, but, yeah. People are losing yes. their minds. Yeah, yes. Of course, we all knew for years that seeing movies at home is a much more enjoyable experience. I think, on the whole, 
than having to schlep to a theater, deal with the crowds, deal with people talking, rude people, smelly people, you know, uh, illness, all that stuff. Plus the high prices of, you know, popcorn. But we all know why they're that high, yada, yada, yada. So, but there's still that communal experience. There's still a need to see certain movies on the big screen. And I, 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 I literally, I'm okay that I waited for Birds of Prey to come out on, you know, Redbox. I think I got a Redbox or Apple TV. But I can't imagine not having been in the theater for Endgame or be in the theater for you know, watching Star Wars Rise of Skywalker, truly sitting next to Mike Sullivan, who I saw Star Wars with in 1977. I mean, that experience was, for somebody who hates to leave the house, it was worth the cost, worth the expense. I wouldn't not want to have that experience. But as a general rule, yeah, I'd rather watch things. You know, we all have... we Big screen TVs are really fucking cheap, <laughs> you know? Yeah, there could be both. You can have both. You can have on demand releases and you can have like you can have like big budget on demand straight to on demand releases from these studios. And you can also have these big tentpole movie theater releases, you know, and that's sort of I mean, again, we you were talking about this the other podcast is that they don't make they either make like hundred million dollar movies or. One million dollar movies. There's nothing in between. It's 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 very hard to make something in between that uh, budget range. So to, for a, first of all, for Universal to say we're not going to release any of their movies in the movie theaters is a little ridiculous. Like that's a little stupid. Well, for AMC to be and, and for AMC, when for AMC to retaliate and say, yeah, we're not, well, we're not going to screen any Universal movies. It's like really. You're going to cut off your nose to spite your face? Is that how you're going to get back? Is that how you're going to own the the libs, AMC? <laughs> and, and, and movie theaters and studios went through this like 15 years ago. It was a big, it was a big game of chicken when, you know, the studios are like, fuck this. We're only going to deliver content digitally now. And so, you know, movie theaters, if you want our movies, you have to go get these digital projectors. And the theaters, rightfully so, were like, we're hanging on by threat. <laughs> you know, it's like, so let me get this straight. You don't want the cost of printing these movies and the shipping cost. It, it, it's very prohibitive to make, you know, those things. And then there was the security issue about like, being able to transfer, you know, fur files that big and all this, but logistics aside, you know, there was a big thing. It's like, okay, well, who's going to pay for all these projectors and all these theaters? And, you know, in the movie theaters were like, look, if you want us to show your movies and you're saving all this cost forevermore for going forward for the next 10 years, 20 years before the next technology wave hits, whatever that is, you know, if you're not having the printing cost and the shipping cost, then you should be able to buy these projectors. And the, the movie theater's like, well, no, you're, the people are coming to see the theater in your theater. You own the theater. You figure it out. So maybe it's like that. I, I mean, to be honest, uh, every new technology was going to kill movies. Every new, like when radio came out, that was going to kill movies. Movies. Well, television, yeah, that's why the screens got wider. And then, of course, then when the wide, well, then when home screens got wider, it's like 
oh yeah, uh, 3D, it's cool now. Check it out. We got these new glasses. It really looks good now. And then, then that kind of died out. But yeah, there'll always be some... Like You're right. There, there, there's, there's always going to have to be some sort of adaptation. And unfortunately, you know, some theaters will make it. Some don't. I mean, a lot of smaller movie houses have closed down over the past decade that were up for 50, 60 years, you know? And it's just... Because of the, the the changing times, yeah. I mean, no, nobody's immune. The internet will kill us all. Let's just <laughs> let's just be clear. Well, I mean, it's. I love one of the few things I love leaving the house to do is to go to movies. But truly, now I don't know the next time I'm going to feel okay being in a crowded movie theater. You know where you're not, unless um, they have like you know sections. You know, like they have the you know there's the COVID section and the non-COVID section. You know. <laughs> Um, yeah, the COVID people over there. Wait, what did he say? <laughs> uh, but I like the little theater by you. I've seen a couple things there and, it, and it's fine. But if I'm going to go to a movie now, it's like the little I do. I kind of feel bad because I don't know how the mom and pop little theaters like the one around the hot corner from you hold up because I'm so spoiled now. I love going to a movie, getting my tickets online where I can pick the middle seat. In the, in the middle of the row, in the middle of the theater, and basically have to fight tooth and nail to not fall asleep during the preview right. because I it's mean, so luxurious. The, the chair kind of hums you to sleep. <laughs> it's that it, comfortable. So, yeah, you know, we'll we'll see how things shake out. But, I mean, again, you thought last week or two weeks ago, comic books, this is the death knell. You know, COVID could be the death knell for a lot of businesses. And, we'll, you know, we'll... I don't think any business is going to be immune, uh, no pun intended, from the effects of this pandemic. But I, they, uh, the, a couple will be fine, and I will tell you which ones those are. Healthcare. It is Starbucks. Oh, okay. Go Have on. you seen? Like, there's only a few Starbucks with drive-throughs, dude. People are complaining that they waited in line in their car for an hour plus to get their, you know, their Starbucks. It's like, okay. <laughs> Could you say that again? <laughs> yeah, and this time, listen, listen to what you're saying. <laughs> Pretend it came from somebody else's voice. You know that you poor baby, you had to wait in the drive-through line to pay overpaid coffee, right? And that, and that's your. So, anyways, and, but, right, you know, and, those, and you're burning gas at the same time. So, it's just, but at least gas is free. <laughs> yeah. So, let let's move on to the small screen. Um, have you watched anything this week? Oh, we're going to go right to TV? Yeah, well, I, I I saw a couple interesting things that I wanted to, you know, I, I saw the Beastie Boy documentary that I talked about last week. Dude, it's great. It's absolutely, it's done by Spike Jones. Uh, it's a live theater show. Like, so it, it, it's the two surviving members of the Beasties going, chronicling their career. They are so self-aware, you know, they know what they did in music. They know the ground that they broke and the and the trailblazers they are. They also know what tool bags they've been at times. <laughs> um, and it was Spike Jones, and it, it was really, really great. It, it was a two prong thing. It was a love letter to their passed away, um, you know, you know, Adam uh, MCA who they gave credit for every positive thing the band has ever done, ever. 
Like they talked about him like he could walk on water and it was Jesus. And maybe he was. I mean, he was the one who did all the Tibet stuff and all the stuff with the monks and the fundraisers. He's the one that came up with sabotage and, you know, it, that he, they wrote the song around the baseline, which, you know, um, they also have these things like they were always together, inseparable, touring, doing this stuff. And then they would be like, oh, we should do do this. And, and he just knew things that they're like, wait a minute. How did you know that? Like, where did you learn this? <laughs> because we don't know any of the like recording stuff, like how like to make sounds and it's, it's, you know, I'm, I'm going to do it. The normal carnival personnel injustice by trying to describe it, but he would, he would just know things technologically speaking and filmmaking wise and, and all of this stuff. And I didn't realize this cause you know, I wasn't watching MTV and, and 93. Do you remember when Kanye West like stole the moment from Taylor Swift? She got like, video of the year or album of the year yeah that was like in the 2000s yeah well i guess well i don't guess i i guess it happened and kanye was just ripping off it you know the beastie boys because spike jones was up for video of the year and um i think was it everybody heard some rem song won it and um mca you know adam uh yauk he had a persona uh, like he directed like a bunch of their videos in this persona. He was his own uncle from Switzerland. Like <laughs> these, the classic Swiss, you know, Lee, um, Lee, Hose, uh, How do you say that? Uh, like Lederhosen. Lederhosen. And as they, when they mentioned, um, you know, REM, blah, 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 you know, so, so he came out in that costume and he's like, he, ba- he basically said, what an injustice and he doesn't understand this. And security had to drag him <laughs> off the stage. So Kanye was just ripping off the beasties. But it's great. So it's a love letter to him. It's also an apology letter. So when the beasties started, they were a punk band and a rock band. And even when they started to incorporate rap, they had a drummer before the three of them were just on the mic. So, you know, everybody knows him as rappers that then learned to play their instruments and then they became musicians, you know, but they, when they were a real band, you know, playing for the first couple of years, uh, I knew this, like they had a girl drummer. Uh, I can never say the right name, right? Katie, <laughs> but, but Slagenbach. Is it, Schell- um, is it Schellenbach? Yes. Thank you. And they just fucked her over. Like they just blew up and it's like, Oh, well, we're going in this direction. Bye. You know, now they're 18, 19 years old. And all of a sudden they go from just hanging out, having fun, doing the band as a joke to opening for Madonna on a world tour and just completely, you know, blew off their old friends, but especially her. You know what I mean? It's like, Hmm. you know, um, everybody about to be rich and famous, take two steps for it. Not. So fast, Katie. <laughs> yeah. know? So it was a love letter to MCA and an apology, like an open apology. Now, she went on. She's a producer. Okay. Like, she, you know, she was a producer for a half a dozen late night talk shows, won Emmys for producing Ellen, won Emmys for producing, you know, um, a, a Handler, um, or is it, oh, what's a comedian name? Anyways, she's, you know, she Adam, has a great career. Adam Sandler? 
No, no, Chasey Handler. Oh, oh, Chelsea Handler. Yeah, Chelsea yeah. Handler, thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. You know, she also had a band, like, after their third album, they're like, let's start our own label. And they signed, you know, a, a Luscious Jackson was a band that she was a drummer in. So, the, you know, so they, five, six years later, like, reconnected. Okay. Um, but they do. They, they, You can tell they literally felt bad. It's like, hey, we were young. We were kids. We were caught up in this. Doesn't excuse the fact we were total douchebags, you know? And, and they had a huge album. That they did as a joke, making fun of college frat boys, and then they go out on tour, and their audience is all college frat boys, and they like so we became what we used to make fun of, you know. And the album went huge, and then they did a second album that bombed. Paul's Boutique, and it's one of those great stories. It's one of those great stories, like you know, same thing like a Citizen Kane, you know, bombed. Absolutely bombed. And then I got four or five years later, people are like, you know, that might have been the greatest album of all time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Luckily, they uh, were all alive to still reap the uh, the benefits of people discovering that album, you know, years later. So, now, so, yeah. so I saw that. And then I saw something that I thought of you. And I don't know. We've never talked about this documentary, but it is a, something that you would have talked about. United We Fan. A documentary about chronicling the history of fan writing campaigns that saved TV shows. Oh, yeah. yeah that's interesting. Like, uh, what shows were they highlighting in this documentary? Some some that I, I knew, uh, like Star Trek. Like the original Star Trek. And they had the husband and wife who started this writing campaign that kept it going. I mean, it only lasts two and a half years, but it wasn't even going to get a second season without these people. Um, and then chronicled in the seventies, I'm trying to, um, K- uh, Cagney and Lacey. Oh, nice. And these pe- these women who kept Cagney and this one woman who kept Cagney and Lacey on ended up putting together, like moving across country and putting together an official group that called, oh, I'm trying to think what they called themselves. It wasn't like old hags for quality television, but it was a bunch of, you know, older middle-aged women who coordinated, this is pre-social media and all this stuff, but would coordinate write-in campaigns and, and do the outreach to get people to write into shows, you know, to the networks, to the sponsors to people who advertised on them. And it was very, and they were very well organized after a while. It seemed very well funded. Like shows would come to them and, and they had lists. It's like, okay, here are the five shows this season. We're going to try to save. This is our focus. Here's the five. Yeah. If we have a little extra time or Joe, you have to write 10 letters a week for Cagney and Lacey, if you want to stay in our group, if you want to write five letters for this other show that you like, well, you can do that too. And we'll put that on the second wave of things we like. I mean, it was very wow. well organized. Um, the show Chuck, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and there was a fun story where, you know, they ended up uh, Subway. It, 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 they had the stars from the show. So they had, you know, Chuck himself, you know, talk about, yeah, it was really awful and gratuitous, like one episode that was basically a Subway commercial. And 
he ended up doing a he was doing some kind of like comic-con panel thing somewhere in london around the time that that was successful and somebody in the audience like pointed out like oh you know subway you know you know do you have a you know love of subway who you know kept the show going <clears throat> by doing the sponsorship and he was like yeah and he goes i eat there all the time and the guy's like well there's a subway right down the street so he took the whole studio over yeah. to subway he actually gets behind the counter and like subway executives lost their shit and, like this is the greatest thing ever. We will pay for Chuck to stay on for another year. <laughs> oh I mean, so it was. It was called. And then there's um, uh oh, the guy from Lost, person of interest. Mm-hmm. You know, and and honestly, it's like it. These people are like, yeah, we really understand what losers we are, but we really love this show. So I, you know, <laughs> I'm proud of the work I've done, having no life. But keeping this show on that I don't financially benefit, I get nothing out of except maybe the actor sending me like, you know, a frame picture saying thank you. Um, but it is. It's a really it's a it's a fun little watch. So why did you think of me? Like what what was the connection to me? Uh, you loser, love TV. Loser. That you, you TV. Loser, loser. Right off the bat. Right, right off the old B. Uh-huh. <laughs> you would say, no, but I mean, a TV stories like that. Don't you like that? Those heartwarming. I do. Yeah. Little God. There do was... you not like TV, Joe? Uh, you... yeah, I can take or leave it. Depends on it's what's a... on it. We are... Okay. Are you closer to your TV or any family member, past, present, or future? <laughs> no comment. <laughs> I can tell you mine. <laughs> look, look, I've survived three wise, but you know, TV's never left me. <laughs> Barnaby Jones has always been there for me, Joe. Always been there for me. Barnaby Jones. Barnaby Jones. <laughs> I could see maybe, you know, Barney Miller, but Barnaby yeah. Jones. I'm just going to say this once. Boom, 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 boom. boom. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so now let's get to awful. Joe, I wasn't sure if to start with awful in sports or awful in politics. So let's merge the two things. Spolitics. Growing, <laughs> thank you. Growing up, I've always hated the Lakers. In the 80s, like that window, like the Yankees, Red Sox, the Lakers, Celtics. I mean, the Patriots haven't really had one you know, the Colts and a couple teams here and there, but it's it's funny how many times people have said it's like getting up for a big game against the Patriots in the years. It's like, oh, yeah, well, there are rivals. And the Patriots have been like, are you? <laughs> <laughs> so the way a rivalry works, Bills, is um, – but but the Lakers, who I've always hated, and now, you know, I, I hated being there when they had the three-peat with Kobe. Um, I, I never met – and I've never been financially affected by LeBron James. So don't give me shit, John. But I dislike LeBron James for a lot of different reasons. Um, the Lakers had to, had to give back because of public outcry. The $4.5 million they got from the small business bailout package. Oh, the fucking Lakers, who are the third most lucrative sports franchise in North America had to and it's like people people were like oh well they gave the money back it's like yes but it wasn't one guy it wasn't an intern it was like oh we should apply for this <laughs> there was a meeting there was a couple meetings there was lawyers involved there was a lot of paperwork to get this to happen 
You know what I mean? Did and they spend money to make the money? That's what I want to know. Did they? Because <laughs> because technically they have under five hundred employees, so they fall. It's the same thing with Ruth Chris and um, and Shake Shack, and people are like, "Oh, it was great that Shake Shack gave the money back." No, it's not great. They shouldn't the, have the, gotten it in the first place. Yeah. And, and they shouldn't have applied for it. Yeah, that's right. the big thing. My my niece works, you know, at a small restaurant on Newbury Street, and it's it it is it's 50 at best if they come back. They're they're doing takeout, but they're they survive because you know they they uh, remember I was going to drag you there for like a Simpson night a little while ago. They do the trivia nights. They do. All the theme nights to get your ass in there to hang out an extra half hour to spend an extra twenty bucks per ticket to survive. You know what I mean? Like so, the takeout, yeah, it's fine. I mean, it's keeping the cook busy and it's keeping whatever. But I mean, you know, they fifty fifty. They're going to come back. Ruth, Chris, Shake Shack, and the Lakers are fucking fine. You know, I, the audacity that they would apply. And again, it wasn't. One person who said, oh, well, you know, I'll just jot off this letter to the local person. (laughs) Well, I mean, just think it it actually shines a light. Not that it really may have been a big secret or we're not that also all that surprised. But Jesus, what's the criteria to get a fucking loan from the government in response to COVID-19? Like, yes, we are a business or yes, we've donated heavily to the Republican Party. Like, is there, you know, it, it all came down to my my understanding is it went through banks. It went through certain banks. So if you have a – if you're the Lakers, you do lots of cash transaction, moving money around. You have a personal – you know, you can p- pick up the phone and call the vice president on his cell phone of Wells Fargo saying, hey, you know mm-hmm. – we we need to move these things around. This is how, you know what I mean. So it, it went th- through the bank. So the so you have to have a connected banker who knows how to operate the system, who knows how to cut through the red tape. That's the thing. It's like the little barber shops, the little restaurants. The mom, they you know they might be on hold and yeah, right. <laughs> they're, yeah, they're they're in the um they're in the uh, red tape hell. So I got it. Oh, so are you saying that you have to? know people in order to succeed Dude, it's just awful it's not what and, you know it's who you know um so next to the lakers uh i'm trying to think trying to think have we ever established a douchebag of the week award have we have officially <laughs> ever gone to the trophy shop no no i mean i think we just we would and, be and got, what, what, what would be on top <laughs> <laughs> what would be on top what would you say? Yeah, oh. of the trophy, like like. Oh, it would just be a, a gigantic douche nozzle. It'd be like you know, <laughs> well, I mean, it was all. It's like that uh, that South Park episode where they award the the douche of the universe award <laughs> to <laughs> the psychic John Edwards. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm sidebarring for a second. I actually thought the other day I was going to text you, Joe. I'm going to because this. I think the lockdown is going to go on for a couple more weeks at least. I'm going to have you randomly pick a season of The Simpsons in the last 10 years that neither one of us has seen one episode of and binge watch it together separately. That'll never happen. Yeah. Talk about it after, but yes, it will. Um, so the other, so I think between the Lakers organization, which, you know, I don't really have a 
fondness for to begin with. Um, I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot of good candidates each and every week. But I think this week the mayor of Las Vegas is douchebag of the week. Oh, well, a couple of weeks ago. But yes, yeah, we were a little late to the party. But the mayor of Las Vegas, who I found out was uh, elected mayor because she is the wife of the late mayor of Las Vegas. So her husband was the mayor of Las Vegas for a while, for years. He dies. She takes his place. And by her name alone and by the fact that nobody in Vegas cares for law and order, they elect her, you know, as the incumbent. And, um, yeah, she's on and. She's finishing out her second, no, third term, and that does they have a three-term limit. So this is going to be, I think, her final term. But, they, yeah, they're calling for her resignation due to her abhorrent interview with Anderson Cooper about COVID-19's uh, effect on Las Vegas economy and her employment to the businesses and the casinos to open up again. But don't expect her to come up with a plan. Well, it was, you know, the most awful thing is she flat out said she would like to be the placebo, the the test to see if it's really as bad and time to open up. And when Anderson Cooper said, are you going to be in the casinos with them sitting at those crowded tables? Well, first of all, you have to understand I have a family. It's like, (laughs) (laughs) oh, right, right. And there's a there's a work contact um, I was doing a couple of projects with I've worked with over the years. They love Vegas. They're very connected in Vegas. Very, they're probably, they're literally, they're probably friends with this woman. And they've been asking me to help on this project, this We Are Vegas project. And I don't really understand what the focus is. They want me to reach out to celebrity friends who will give these shout outs of, you know, being supportive of Vegas and like, we're going to be back. At, I'm like, no, no, yeah, I hate Vegas. If I'm calling in favors, it's not to be for this. And that was pre this interview. It's like I've never liked Vegas to begin with. And, uh, you know, look, I'm not rooting against the people whose livelihoods, you know, derive from that. But, the, you know, th- th- those lights weren't built on the backs of winners. You know what I mean? Their, their entire existence is to take as – they're like Disney – but worse, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, at least, at least Disney. At least Disney makes your dreams come true. Yes, I got to fly the fucking Millennium Falcon, Joe. Like, like Disney, take all the money I have and all my future earnings. You deserve it, right? <laughs> well, I guess. I mean? Well, I guess Vegas does in a way too. If your dream is to get uh, venereal disease from as many <laughs> prostitutes as possible in one night. You know, I've always joked about that when, when people, because I had to, I had to, my 21 years in LA, I was probably in Vegas 30 times. In the first 10 years, I was working in sales because I had no soul. I got roped on playing on clients' hockey teams that would go there. And I've always hated, like I don't gamble. I literally am deathly repulsed by cigarette smoke and I can't afford those hookers. So Truly, that town offers me And, and you're a nothing. vegetarian, so you don't eat the $2 steaks that are available. And right. you're not a fan. Well, I guess you are a fan of 100-degree-plus heat because you went to Qatar and <laughs> had a blast. You get in the air conditioning, you're fine. I, I did. It, it was great. But, yeah, so fuck, fuck that. Let's, let's see what else we have. So, you know, it's going to be interesting because the third bailout is coming up. And, you know, Mitch McConnell, which, God, um, it's it's. 
on 1A who I hate the most. He is going to hold up the next package unless it comes with protections for companies shielding them against being sued for unsafe COVID work conditions. So as you and I have talked, as I've been screaming for a decade plus, the GOP is a terrorist organization. They do not care if you die. And now they're saying, oh, we're going to open these states. And sure, it might not be safe to go back to work, Joe. But if you don't go back to work, we're saying you can open your barbershop. And if you don't go back to work, well, you're choosing to not go back to work. That's not us telling you you can. Therefore, you don't get unemployment if you don't go back to that meatpacking factory where I think 103% of people have tested <laughs> positive for COVID. Oh, and by the way, if you don't go back, you don't get unemployment. And if you do go back and get COVID and you die because we haven't made any policy changes to make it safer, you can't sue the company because the company donates too much to Mitch. So go back to work. Hopefully you don't die. But if you do, eh, you kind of on your own. And see, so I don't, I, I don't know what I'm. Why am I yelling at you? I, I just, I, I'm, I'm, I'm saying uh, goodbye to my, uh, to my soul because I just but, lost it. I don't know. It, it, I, I don't know how to respond to something like that. I mean, I don't know, a, right? I don't know how to respond to anything because I'm not a good broadcaster. But, <laughs> but he, now this is where they cross the line for me. The new project to try to get a vaccine as quickly as possible, which I'm all for. It's you know. Full speed ahead. I get that. But you sons of bitches cannot take the term warp speed. I forbade them because that's it's project it called Project Warp Speed. How did don't they realize they're the bad guys in all these movies? They are the Klingons. They are the Empire. They are the bad people therefore they can't that's our word (laughs) that that's my word you know there are certain words we can't say as white people and as males joe and there's words that they can't say because those are my words Mm you know the bad people cannot you know quote and use star wars and star trek and Batman and, and Marvel references. Yeah, I know, right? The missile defense system in the 80s was nicknamed Star Wars. Right. Yeah. It, and, you know, uh, Paul Ryan's favorite song to work out to was Rage Against the Machine. Like, or, you know, the song, but not band. Band. Yeah. The, 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 because every, every election, somebody uses something. And, you know, it, it always happens, but the, that I doubt it will ever be top. Like Springsteen doesn't want. Like I love when people use, you know, their walk-on music to a political debate. Born in the USA, it's an anti-American or anti-war yeah. song. Yeah, <laughs> you guys might want to take a second and right. You know, but but I've said for for thirty years I've loved the 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 testosterone homophobic energy of a major sporting event where you have guys who look like me and you singing YMCA. (laughs) (laughs) Hey man, you know, know, there is a lot of fun stuff to do there. I got to say. It really is. But the irony of that, no, but with the Paul Ryan, when the lead singer of Rage Against the Machine said, dude, you are the machine. (laughs) <laughs> like you specifically are who we're talking about. <laughs> you know, he he thought he was like identifying with the kid. Oh, this is what I listen to when I do my P90. Look at my abs, you yeah. know, <laughs> but, but that, and it's like, 
and at what point so this past week uh, you know the, the late last week um Justin Trudeau once again you know made sure that uh Canada's better than the US they banned assault rifles they had a horrible mass shooting last month in Nova Scotia and within a month you know Canada has a lot more hunters you know what i mean there are more there are more guns per capita in Canada than the United States you know there just are there's more guns in the United States obviously but but the ownership like there there are more guns per person and there's more individuals who own guns in Canada but they're like yeah, you don't need assault rifles. That's it. We're done. You can't own them. You got to turn them in if you got them. You can't sell them here ever again. That's it. We're done. Period. The end. Flash, you know, you know, you go a little south of the border. Wait, that's us. <laughs> yeah. And and you're seeing all these open, you know, open protest with guys carrying their dick extenders. You know, it's like, are you? Are you going to shoot the virus? Is that why? Why do you need to show? It's like, oh, are you here to have a conversation and exchange ideas? And that's why you needed to wear tactical armor and bring your you know, machine gun because you want to have a debate on this? Or are you trying to terrorize the local mayor, the governors, the, you know what I mean, of the, of the states and stuff like that? And how, how is that legal anywhere? Can't white men dressed in militia gear, armed to the teeth, protest peacefully on the steps of a government building without being harassed? Is this the America we're living in? Actually, yes, they can. Oh, okay. Now, 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 if we're, they're one of those black sons of bitches taking a knee to protest police shootings, and I'm quoting the president, get those, you know, fire those sons of bitches. Let's see. Quietly protesting, respectfully, you know, the the people getting shot. And, and, and my other favorite thing, and, and you've probably seen the picture, um, I think it was in Michigan or Wisconsin. The police are standing there with their, you know, their, their protective masks on. And this one hillbilly with the huge ZZ top, you know, Duck Dynasty beard, like three inches from his face screaming at him. You know, it's like uh, we won't have the discussion about white privilege. We'll have the discussion of I guarantee I guarantee that that same guy was screaming about the NFL players taking a knee because of the Black Lives Matter movement that blue lives matter. All lives matter. But now here you are because Kathy can't get a haircut. You're screaming at what happened to the Blue Lives Matter thing? Because I'm thinking if you're getting in somebody's face screaming like that, yeah, you probably don't care if he dies. I don't know. I think Blue Lives still matter to those folks, you know? I think. It's just you do do you? The I don't way, know what to think. I just want to get through this podcast without being okay. yelled at. <laughs> well, too late, Joe. Damn it. Too too late. Um did you did you did you prepare yourself indulgent theater this week? You know, you're a little delay this afternoon in getting the podcast started. Actually, contributed to me actually thinking of something. I thought, oh, right. you know, hey, it's May fourth, and May the fourth be with you and with your spirit. I decided that I would do. I think this might be. It might fall flat. We'll see. I thought I would do a monologue or some portion of dialogue, a seminal, uh, a very pivotal 
scene from one of the Star Wars movies as played by other actors. So I thought maybe I would give this a try. If you'll remember the end, spoilers, of Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith, there's a battle on, I forget what planet it is, is it Mustaf or something, Mustaraf, yeah. whatever it was. The, uh, the, the Obi-Wan Kenobi versus Anakin Skywalker lightsaber battle in, uh, over lava. Uh, top 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 three lightsaber battle in the history of Star Wars. Right, and it culminates at the end, where uh, Anakin Skywalker is completely turned to the dark side, and he is going to become Darth Vader. You know, just moments from that scene, and Obi Wan is pouring his heart out as to how he was betrayed by Anakin, and that he put his faith in Anakin, and that he was going to be uh, the he was supposed to write. The, the, the force and all that stuff. I thought I'd ruin that moment for you by <laughs> doing that scene as Obi-Wan being played by Jimmy Stewart and Anakin Skywalker played by Paul Lind. So let's give it a whirl. I don't know how this is going to go down, but we'll, we'll, we'll give this a shot. I have the... It's a, it's a short scene, so don't worry. It's not going to take very long. But here it is. It's Obi-Wan versus uh, Anakin, a.k.a. Darth Vader, as done by Jimmy Stewart and Paul Lind. You were the chosen one. It was said that you would destroy the Sith and not not join them, bring balance to the Force, not leave it leave it in darkness. I hate you and the chosen. You were my brother, Anakin. I loved you. Of of the nine Skywalker saga scenes you could have picked you got the quintessential one like like that that is the moment that is that encapsulates everything that's right in that universe in that relationship very well done joe oh perfect per- perfect pick of what to do and the perfect voices and and of course you your Paul Lynn is always spot on. Like literally yeah, I sure <laughs> I couldn't listen to you read the phone book as Paul Lynn. I can make that happen. <laughs> um, so quickly, uh, we're going to sport. And uh, wait, I got I got you to do a self indulgent theater. And, and any chance I get you to do a defunct sponsor? Or we just uh, yeah, no. no. All right, all right. I know. I no, I pushed the envelope so far. That, <laughs> um, <laughs> so when it comes to sport, uh, the Vegas odds have come out, which which. The Vegas odds of whether there's going to be an NFL season hasn't come out. Whether the schedule has come out, but it hasn't come out if like if Vegas thinks it's going to start of all this stuff. But they released a 17 week schedule. Um, the Patriots are a 20 to one um, favorite to win the Super Bowl, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are 16 to one. So they're you know so they're more favorite. However. Bill Belichick is the odds-on favorite to win Coach of the Year, so mm. it's good, you know. And again, not going to talk about it. it. You know, there will be a time because it, it it won't be this year. Oh, see, it was all Brady because his team did better than Belichick's this year. He went to he could handpick whatever city he wants to go to. The perfect situation. He doesn't have to like rebuild from scratch. But it's going to be interesting. But yeah, the Vegas odds came out, and Tampa Bay is, you know. Not favored to win. Uh, uh, Kansas City Chiefs are at, at four to one. You know, so sixteen to one 
Tampa Bay is a long shot, but the Patriots are more of a long shot. But hey, you know, who knows? Maybe that white supremacist kicker can, you know, I don't know. I, I was going to make a real racist joke about him <laughs> here, but uh, but I'll just move on to uh, uh, random video game reviews. What what do well, I can't do that? But uh, what do you got video game wise? What am I playing video game wise? I don't uh, I don't know what I've been playing. It's all been a blur. I don't think I've been playing much. Please stop moving the microphone. We can hear it. It's like a, a subway. How often does the mic go by? So often you won't even notice. <laughs> Sorry. Apologies. <laughs> I have not been playing much of uh, real, any sub, nothing of substance, not, no, nothing worth talking about here, nothing worth wasting anybody's time. You know, when somebody tells me to shut up, I shut up. I don't just ramble on like some <laughs> idiot on a podcast. Uh, what have you not been playing? Nothing? Good. Dude, I literally the whole PSN thing of of just timing out and not being able to you know play games. It, it is. It's taking what little joy and little time I have you know away. So yeah, same thing. It's like I I, I think we'll, we'll we'll see if this goes on another couple of weeks. I'm gonna uh, sooner or later have to play Resident Evil Three. Did you hear that? Did you hear my first world problems? I'm going to have to. Fine. I'll punch the clock. You know, right. I'll put on my covert protective things. I'll go to the meatpacking plant and I'll play Resident Evil 3. Somebody should come here and kick me in the balls if I knew where my wife kept them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this quarantine's getting the, getting the, the best of us. Um, what, what are you watching? I, this week... Being May 4th, I truly, um, the conclusion of the Clone Wars or, you know, came out a couple days ago. I'm probably going to start, you know, today, you know, by the time this drops, I will have watched it. Uh, um, it's interesting to sidebar. I didn't realize that they do motion capture for those lightsaber fights. So the big lightsaber fight, like the last episode of this one between Ahsoka and Darth Maul is with two actors. And the actor who did, and you know how bad I am with names, but you can look it up. The actor who played Darth Maul, what was that, 15 years ago when... Mm. Uh, oh, God, it was... When, when it was Phantom like Medicine... 99, yes, yeah, so 20, 20 years, years ago. ago yeah. He's still Darth Maul. And the dude is, first of all, jacked. Like, the guy is ripped like Jesus. And... The the hundreds, nay, thousands of hours that he must practice with, you know, that double lightsaber that Maul uses and whoever was playing Ahsoka, but they have the whole motion capture suit on and it's all on Twitter and probably Facebook and other places. It's, it's, it's pretty great. But this cool. week, truly, I'm going to spend this week powering through these the Skywalker saga. I don't know if I'll get in solo again and, uh, and, and, and rogue one, although rogue one is in my top three favorite star Wars movies. <laughs> I'm going to, I think I'm going to spend this week in quarantine powering through those movies and giving my family more reason to hate me. Ah. I am not going to be watching a whole lot of star Wars. Maybe I'll check out rise of Skywalker. I still haven't watched it yet. Uh, I know it's on the Apple TV, but I'm having trouble logging in, and I don't want to bother with it, so don't worry about it. Um, and plus, I've seen so many spoilers about Rise of Skywalker. It's kind of like, eh, all right, when I get when I get to it, I'll get to it. But this past week, 
I've actually been catching up on what might be a future solo sideshow of um, of a TV show that I I really liked in my teenage years, and that was Quantum Leap. It's a, that was one of the shows that they saved. Ah, on the uh, United We Fans documentary, yeah. And Scott Bakula was thanking the people, and it was great. Yeah, yeah, Sorry. yeah. I mean, it's a because it, yeah, it's a cornball show. I get it. It's pseudoscience. It's pseudo religious. E, uh, but I, I just I loved it. I loved any anything with time travel. You know me, Mister Back to the Future. Uh, no, I, mean, I can take a, give or take Bill and Ted's. I mean, Bill and Ted's was great. But um, yeah, Quantum Leap. Just the idea of a guy. Uh, you know, he's like the. You know, he's a he's a, a aw shucks kind of you know salt of the earth person. He uh, you know he's a he's a, a genius, but he also knows martial arts. He can also <laughs> sing and dance. <laughs> you know? Can he ever triple threat? Really, he really is. He actually, yeah, yeah. He was uh, you know he was a, a not. A, a, I'm not going to get into his awards or whatever. But anyway, Scott Bakula, great. Dean Stockwell, who played uh, uh, Al. Uh, if you don't know the plot to. Then go fuck yourself because you're a loser. But yeah. then, no, that, that relationship between those two characters is always my favorite part. Yeah, they, I mean it's a it's a great show. It was um yeah it was one it basically he's a time traveling scientist who goes into the bodies of other people in the past and he can only travel within his own lifetime. But he bounces around and he can he, he's he's put there to put right what once went wrong in their history and it's kind of like okay obviously it's god that's making him go from one person to another but eh, okay so i've probably watched a dozen episodes over the time that it was on you know oh it's on uh, it wasn't like get me out of this room it's tv with one channel that i can't change so no i probably have saw a half a dozen episodes um you know and i and you know, I know it best from the Universal Tram Ride because, you know, they were always showed this clip because, like, where they shot that, the, the bridge that they shot it on as part of the tram tour and stuff like that. I didn't know the religious overtones. Uh, question. See, I thought he was, like, trying to jump back into his own body and he was, you know, never – he didn't want to keep jumping. He he kept trying to jump home, I thought. I yes. thought that that's what he – Oh, yeah, no, yeah. Open. I could – yeah, yeah. Look, Dr. Sam Beckett. Theorizing that one could time travel within his own lifetime, Dr. Samuel Beckett stepped into the Quantum Leap Accelerator and vanished. He awoke to find himself trapped in the past, facing mirror images that were not his own, and driven by an unknown force to change history for the better. His only guide on this journey is Al, an observer from his own time who appears to Sam in the form of a hologram that only Sam can see and hear. And so Dr. Beckett finds himself leaping from life to life, striving to put right what once went wrong, and hoping each time that his next leap will be the leap home. That is essentially the beginning gonna, of every ep- episode of Quantum Leap. For the three people listening, I'm going to clarify something. Joe is not reading that off a script. <laughs> Joe is not looking at a computer screen. He wasn't looking at notes. That was from the old noggin. That was from the heart. It was from the heart. Um, my question is, at the end of each episode, you know, where he leaped into the next body was that always like the first scene for the next week or was that always just oh yes that that was essentially the 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 device and of course it was very it's a super it's a corny show but actually the the, it had some really good messages uh dean stockwell was an environmentalist so he would always like chime in with 
you know, anti uh, trashing the environment kind of uh, messages. And, you know, it was a, it's a fun show. But yes, each episode sort of led into the next. And they had it's, it's great how they built a little storyline of these two characters who, like, you don't really see what time that they're actually living in. You know, like they're from like the late 90s. But they're constantly just talking about the past. And from that, you glean their history. So it's, it's, it's very dialogue driven to get to know these characters. And it's, uh, I don't know, I, I liked it. And you know. So that's what you're going to watch. So my last Quantum Leap question is like, if he could only time travel in his own lifetime, how did he wind up being the captain of the Enterprise? Wouldn't you like to know? <laughs> see, so, see, see that was and i was i'm stupid yeah. joe do you have a parenting tip um i would say that if you are going to um tell your kids mm, no i'm sorry i couldn't even fake it sorry i have no parenting tip you know every week i fail every week i fail as a parent not only in life, but on this podcast. So not, 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 not true. In a little bit, your youngest was delightful phoning, or zooming in for my guy's birthday, and your oldest is such an incredible, like you know, mentor to my kids. You, you did fine. You, you and the missus did fine. My parenting tip this week is: you got to remember to try to see things from their perspective and at their age. And it was really. Like I said, we've always moved my little guy's birthday around because it just wasn't convenient to have it on his birthday, you know. So, but when he was very articulate of that, it made me it made me stop and think. You know what? It's true, and I've told my boys this: never fight with somebody till you've walked a mile in their shoes, Joe, because you're a mile away. And you have their shoes. <laughs> <laughs> so, that, so that is my parenting tip of the week. I'm good. Now, I will not push the microphone away, but I will gently lift. <laughs> oh, you, you're leaving me out to dry. Well, that's the end of our podcast, folks. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Uh, hopefully more. And um, we'll, uh, we'll, you know, stick around for the sideshow this Thursday or look for the sideshow this Thursday on the, the goal uh, the 50th anniversary of Bobby Orr's game-winning 1970 Stanley Cup goal for the Boston Bruins that Jacques will dominate as he does in every aspect of this podcast, except about Quantum Leap. That that will be my time to shine. But until then, uh, friends, Romans, countrymen, don't forget 